My name is Ori, and I'm your Masters of Ceremonies. This event is hosted by the Los Angeles Inner Group of O-Readers Anonymous, and it is being recorded, or actually the speaker portion is just being recorded for the LAIG Virtual Speakers Bureau, and will be available on our website, oalaig.org. Let's go ahead and unmute ourselves and join in the serenity prayer. I'll give you some time to go ahead and unmute yourselves. Oh, so a little Zoom etiquette. We ask that you wear meeting appropriate attire. Avoid cooking, eating, or using the restroom on camera. Yes, there are people that have used the restroom while on camera. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be in there if we didn't see it happen. So additionally, please remain muted unless you have been selected to share. Chat will be disabled during the meeting to limit crosstalk. However, you can message host if needed. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't spam people, you know, only if needed. Uh, chat will be enabled at the conclusion of our meeting so that members can share phone numbers and other information. So the definition of joy, let's go ahead and put that up. We're going to share that. The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying, keen pleasure, elation, a source or cause of keen pleasure or delight, something or someone greatly valued or appreciated in the expression or display of glad, glad feeling, festive gaiety, in a state of happiness or felicity. That is the definition of joy. And just a little background, you know, one day uh, I was doing a pitch and I noticed that, uh, you know, my previous shares, it was just like, dun, 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 you know, just, it was about the work. It was about, you know, the, just the suffering. And I realized in that moment, like there's still, there's a lot of joy in recovery. And uh, I think, this hearing the joy and recovery is kind of like a, the minority here. Like we don't really talk about just the joy we experience as a result of working the 12 steps. And that's what inspired this event. So our speakers today will share for 10 minutes on how they are experiencing joy and recovery and in life as a result of working the 12 steps. Each speaker has been provided a joy quotation. That's what we're calling it for this event, a joy quotation. Uh, from either the big book or AA 12 and 12 that will act as a theme for their talk. And uh, following our speakers, our members will have an opportunity to share for three minutes on how they're experiencing joy as a result of the 12 steps. So let's get this party started. We're going to jump right into it. Our first speaker is Barbara O. And Barbara's joy quote is, understanding is the key to right principles and attitudes and right action is the key to good living. Therefore, the joy of good living is the theme of AA's 12 step. And that's from the 12 steps and 12 traditions, step 12, page 125. Go ahead and take it away, Barbara. You have uh, eight minutes and two minutes. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with everybody today. My name is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I have to tell you before I get into anything, I have to tell you the first thing that brought me joy once I got abstinent was discovering my collarbones. I didn't know I had collarbones, you guys. 
I came, my top weight was 189 and I was just an equal distribution of fat everywhere. I couldn't cross my legs. Moving was difficult for me and I was active at the same time. And I just remember when I was in the, the beginning of my recovery and when I got my abstinence was December 2nd, 1975. And I started eating three meals a day and nothing in between. The first things that brought me joy were making these amazing discoveries of what my body looked like. And I have to talk the, about the physical as well as the emotional and the spiritual because that's all part of this process. And it started with the physical, but the emotional and the spiritual came almost simultaneously at the same time because I was driven right into the steps or I wouldn't have my abstinence. That's my supporting theme. My insurance policy are the 12 steps of this program. But I, I can't say enough about how joyful I was to discover my body. I really thought that underneath that I had, I did some serious damage to my skeletal structure. I didn't know what it was going to look like underneath. I want to thank you for this theme. And I want to go back to page 125 of the 12 and 12, because I want to look at this in context. And the context is really all encompassing. So this is paraphrased. I'm starting in the middle of this last paragraph where this uh, passage was taken from. And it says here, to a certain extent, we'll all start at the beginning. These little studies of AA's 12 steps now come to a close. We've been considering so many problems that it may appear that AA consists mainly of racking dilemmas and troubleshooting. To a certain extent, that is true. We've been talking about problems because we are problem people who have found a way up and out and who wish to share our knowledge of that way with all who can use it. For that is only by accepting and solving our problems that we can begin to get right with ourselves and with the world around us and with him who presides over us all. Understanding is the key to right principles and attitudes and right action is the key to good living. Therefore, the joy of good living is the theme of AA's 12th step. And it really started for me again with the beginning, discovering my abstinence. When I came into this program, I was walking over hot coals for many years every day of my life when I woke up and I said to myself in the morning, I'm not gonna do it again. I was just like the Skid Row alcoholic. I didn't live in Skid Row. I had a good job. I graduated college. I spent a year traveling in Europe shortly before coming to the program when I graduated college. I had the makings of what would look like a successful beginning for someone who had just turned 25, but that was not the case. That wasn't the case at all because of the misery that enveloped me as a result of eating. I found this program on the radio and there was a show on the radio where this doctor got on the, on the radio, this one show listen, program I listened to at five o'clock every, I think it was 5.30 every day. And he talked about the obesity problem in the state of California. And he came up with some unbelievable calculation of how overweight we were in California. And then he had solutions and he had one of the solutions. One thing he talked about was Overeaters Anonymous. And for quite a while, I've been thinking, 
there's a private club out there. Every time I go over the hill on the 405 freeway, everyone in Los Angeles knows the 405 into the valley. I saw bumper stickers and the bumper stickers said things like, easy does it, one day at a time, live and let live. And I went, what the blank is that? There's a bunch of people that know something I don't and they're all together. There's a theme here. And when I heard this show, and this doctor say Overeaters Anonymous, it went bingo, because I had felt like an alcoholic. I went, I'm eating like an alcoholic. Everything that I know about alcoholism, which was brought to me by a friend I went to college with, and she had an alcoholic professor who was, I believe in recovery, he talked about his journey to his class. He broke his anonymity. And thank God for him, because I got some kind of understanding and I related to what she shared, these amazing stories. She'd come and tell me the stories about this recovering alcoholic and the bumper stickers at all, like when the light went on, when this doctor mentioned Overeaters Anonymous. And I found my first meeting shortly after that because I had been searching for solutions. I had been looking for answers. I was looking for a spiritual answer and I didn't know it. I read Krishnamurti, I read all kinds of, Ram Dass was a guy that I loved. I went and listened to him at UCLA. I audited classes. I was on a journey and I didn't know where it was going to lead. But it was because I was trying to escape the pain that I was in. And when I came to my first meeting at o of Overeaters Anonymous, it was in Burbank, it was 1975. I was always about being cool. I have to tell you, this is something about me is I'm very vain. And today I'm wearing a dress. It's got short sleeves. I haven't worn short sleeves since my forties. I'm 70, I'm 70 years old. I'm gonna be 71 next month. Holy baloney, how did that happen? You know, depends on when you're born. <laughs> if you keep living, you get older. And I haven't worn in public anything showing my arms since my 40s because of my vanity. And I saw a picture of myself, my first trip to Asia, I love traveling, was when I was for my 40th birthday. And I went, oh my God, look at my arms. So I have still been in hiding to a certain degree. And this is actually joyful for me to wear this dress with short sleeves. I can do it again, you guys. So I find joy everywhere. It's not just in the physical. I mean, this is an emotional and spiritual journey for me. Finding the steps was really such an awakening, such an enlightening, such a scary experience because I thought I was gonna do it wrong. I really knew I was going to do it wrong. When it came to the fourth step, my sponsor took me for the first three steps formally. And it was one-on-one -on -one in person. Obviously, we didn't have any of this technology. And I sat down with her and she knew I was a sick puppy. When I took my first year candle at the meeting at Cedrus and Sylvan in Van Nuys in this roach-infected church, seriously, there was about 75 people there and we came for the answer. It didn't matter what was around us. We didn't look at the floor. We just looked at the speaker. And my sponsor said, if she can do it, anyone can. And I'm one of the few people left from 1975, but there are a lot of us. And I'm so grateful because my life has been a magic carpet ride. That four step was a revelation to me. And I could do it. Two minutes. I couldn't do it wrong. Oh my God. 
Okay, so let's talk more about joy. You know, I have to tell you, every joy, every day I find joy. For the past several weeks, there's been these two lovers. I'm sitting in my office, which is not on Ventura Boulevard anymore. It's now in my, it's my, my uh, this is the breakfast room, which turned into an office. I have these beautiful windows looking at trees and ah, the bird is back. So these two lovebirds must love our house and our house is filled with joy and energy and love and compassion and understanding because of this program completely because of this program. And these birds have been trying to build a nest in our house. Our roof is just not equipped for a bird's nest. It's really a bummer. They keep coming back day after day, trying to find an answer. This morning when I was having breakfast in the dining room, I looked outside and we have a wall of bougainvillea and I saw one of the birds fly right in there and I went, God, that's gotta be prickly. This guy's building a nest for his wife. I swear to God, or maybe it's her, I don't know. They're building a nest in there. And I ran over to tell my husband and he said, that's really an odd place. I went, it's gonna be a family. We're gonna have a family of lovebirds. I just have to tell the gardeners to keep their hands off the bougainvillea because love is happening in the bushes here. <laughs> Every single day, I find joy. It just happens. And guess what it starts with? Of course, abstinence. I abstain no matter what. I eat three meals a day no matter what. I get up and get on my knees in the morning and I thank God for my abstinence. I say my first three steps in the shower. I sit down and I do my meditation and prayer. I do a 10 step. I say the third and the seventh step prayer every day. I call my sponsor. I give service. I love giving service. Service is its own reward is an understatement. I absolutely love giving service. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you for allowing me to share with you all. I look forward to hearing everybody else. Thank you, Barbara. That was a great share. And I think I heard a collective all when you talked about the love birds. <laughs> Let's give Barbara some jazz hands or some silly fingers. Thank you so much for being a service. Thank and uh, yeah, so our <laughs> next speaker, we're going to continue on. Our next speaker is Michael L. And his joy quote is, aren't these practices joy killers as well as time consumers? M must AA spend most of their waking hours drearily rehashing their sins of omission or commission? 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, Step 10, page 89. Take it away, Michael. It's all you. Um, yeah. Okay, there we there go. go. There we go. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm a grateful, abstaining, compulsive overeater and delighted to be here and see all these lovely faces. Um, I'd like to read the quote again and read the next two words that follow the quote. Aren't these practices joy killers as well as time consumers? Must AAs and OAs spend most of their waking hours drearily rehashing their sins of omission and commission? Well, hardly. Well, hardly. Um, if that was what Overeaters Anonymous was all about, I think I would have left long ago. It goes on to say that um, the emphasis on inventory is so heavy because most of us have never really acquired the habit of accurate self-appraisal. 
And that was my experience before coming into OA 35 years ago at the age of 22. I really didn't know why I overate. And that was quite frustrating to be finding myself all of a sudden binging my brains out and not really knowing why. So the ability to be able to feel. Now, when I first came into OA, I was like, I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't, I don't want to feel anything. But my experience has been that you also miss out on the joy. You also miss out on the joy of living when you don't feel your feelings. I've heard nothing, nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. And for me, the ability to feel, the ability to feel joy has been one of the greatest gifts that I have been given in Overeaters Anonymous. I thought that feelings were all bad and they were not to be felt. The idea of love or joy or happiness or contentment um, or friendship was something that I was just um, immune to. I, I remember before coming into OA, people would tell me how I dealt with being fat while I was growing up because uh, my top weight was 270 pounds. I weigh about 160 now. And I was like, how did I deal with it? I didn't. I ate. That's the thing is, um, I want to be temporarily distracted. Before coming into OA, I wanted to be temporarily distracted. And I don't know exactly from what, because I didn't want to feel it. But now I don't want to be distracted. Uh, there's too much life and joyousness to experience. Now, this may seem like so obvious, or it may be like a super revelation. But for me, it's a super revelation. Wait, you mean there's life to experience and joy to experience? Because I was like, you're going to take the food away? Why is life even worth living if that's, if that's it? And thank God we have wonderful people sharing later on, you know, things like if newcomers could see no joy in our existence, they wouldn't want it. And thank goodness when I came into OA, I saw people who had that joy. And I was like, wow, I want that. I haven't experienced that. Um. You know, it says earlier in this step, then comes the real acid test. Can we stay abstinent, keep our emotional balance and live in good purpose under all conditions? Under what kind of conditions, Michael? All conditions. Now I'm gonna say something that may be OA blasphemy. It's easy to feel joy when you have a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend you got a new job, you got a new car, um, you just bought some new electronic device. Um, and that's easy to feel joy. But what about when you've lost your job, you've broken up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, 
you've had a car accident. How do you experience joy during those times? And I can tell you from my personal experience that OA has given me the ability to deal with whatever cards that I've been given and know that I get to play the game. I get to play the game of life. The greatest joy that I have experienced in Overeaters Anonymous is the joy of abstinence. Because for me, I was a prisoner of the disease of compulsive overeating. And it stopped all freedom, all joy, and all pleasure in my life. And so having a day of abstinence, that nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels, is the true secret joy my experience has been of Overeaters Anonymous. And yes, um, there is some inventory work to do. And yes, there's a 10 step to do. And yes, thank you, Barbara. There's getting up in the morning and doing my meditation. Side note, I'm 35 years abstinent. I meditate for 30 minutes in the morning. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm gonna say who would have thought? You would think 30 minutes. Who's got 30 minutes to do that? Now my meditation may look very different than your meditation or secret if you're like me. I didn't really have a formal meditation for the first 19 years in the program. I was one of those people who saw people who'd saying, I meditate in the morning and go, well, you know, I asked my higher power to keep me clean, sober, and abstinent in the morning. And I definitely have a relationship with my higher power. But this idea of, of uh, a meditation really eluded me. I don't know what this has to do with anything, but I'm going to share it with you. My sponsor in my 20th year of abstinence had seen my appointment book when before computers and, and iPhones and all that. And she'd see my book and it, she'd see all these appointments that I would have uh, because my job involves making a lot of appointments with a lot of people. And she said, Michael, um, would you ever consider not showing up for one of those appointments? And I was like, no. No, I, I make the appointment. I'm, I've made a commitment. I'm going to be there. And she said, have you ever considered making an appointment with your higher power? And I was like, gee, I could have had a V8. Uh, no, I, I've never considered that. So I made an appointment with my higher power in the morning to meditate with my higher power. And for the last 15 years, I've had the joy. Two minutes. The joy of experiencing that special bond with a power greater than myself that can absolutely assure me that boyfriend or no boyfriend, job or no job, money in my bank account or no money in my bank account, that I am going to be okay. And there is a plan for me and there is a purpose for me. I worked at a job for $5.25 during my first year of abstinence. And I brought my lunch and I called my sponsor on a pay phone during my lunch break. And I kept my big book and my 12 and 12 with me. And I read those things during lunchtime. And I had a freedom and a joy 
and the ability to feel like I have never felt prior to uh, coming into OA. Is there anything I don't want to talk about? I'm dating somebody right now. I've been in some relationships in Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, and side note, when you're like, oh, I'm not in a relationship. My first sponsor said, honey, you're in relationships with everybody. You've got a relationship with your postman. It's probably not a very deep one, but it is a relationship. Uh, so OA is uh, given me the ability to have all kinds of relationships. But I thought dating this person, I was going to learn so much about them. And I'm finding over the last two months, I'm learning so much about me. And I can tell you that little word feelings. Somebody once said to me, Michael, where do you feel this in your body? I'm like, what? What do you mean where I feel? How, what, where I feel it in my body? I don't feel it anywhere. I feel it up here. And so OA has given me the ability to actually be able to feel and um, to be able to cry tears of joy, tears of joy. Who knew there were such things after so many years of misery and so many years of muddle to come into OA and really feel the joy of recovery. Um, nothing, nothing tastes as good as that feeling. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Michael. What a beautiful share, brother. Thank you so much, dude. And uh, so our next speaker is Debbie D, my sister in recovery. She's going to be her joy quote is, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, Step 11, page 99. Go ahead, Debbie, it's all you. Okay, uh, I couldn't manually unmute myself. The tech person had to do it. Thank you for doing that, Katie. And I am Debbie, grateful compulsive overeater. I've traveled all the way from Washington, D.C. to be here. I didn't need a vaccine passport. Um, anyway, uh, Michael said everything that I wanted to say, so I'm going to pass it to the next person. Just kidding. I'm really grateful to be here, and um, when Ori asked me to speak on this particular line, I love the St. Francis prayer, but the quote itself, where there is sadness, let me bring joy, was really hard for me, and I was like, I'll do it because I say yes to service, but this one is such a people pleasing one. And I don't do that. You know, <laughs> where there is sorrow, where there is uh, sadness, I may bring joy. And like, I'm not a clown. I used to be Debbie the clown and I didn't ask for screen sharing, but there's a picture of me when I was at the height of my disease dressed up like a clown. I literally performed for everyone. I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted everyone to be happy because I grew up in total chaos. My dad was not an alcoholic, but he acted like one. Um, he had a drug that gave him a side effect, which included raging, like really temperamental and he would hit us. And so I wanted everybody to be happy. So when I got this quote, I remember thinking that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. You know, this is really codependent. But then I remember that it's part of the 11 step prayer in St. Francis prayer. And it really reminds me that in this program, I have a God-sized hole and I used to fill it with food and I used to fill it with pain. And once I work the steps and I get to step 11, step 11 is preparing me to be a messenger of love. And it's preparing me to love myself 
to have to feel my higher power is love and then to be able to pass love on through service, sponsoring, speaking, whatever. And St. Francis prayer is also the, a great prayer that follows uh, prayer meditation that step follows step 10. Step 10 reminds me that I, I every day I'm still self-absorbed. Like I'm, I'm not the Dalai Lama. I will wake up and think about like, what's in it for me and what am I gonna get? Like, I still have a lack of awareness. Every year that I work this program, I get layers taken off, but I come into the room and I'm still thinking of myself. And, and, I, and I don't often, you know, it's because of this program that I think about other people now. When someone sponsored me, the very first person who sponsored me was in my mind crazy. What are you doing talking to me every day? What's in it for you? I'm not paying you. You're not my therapist. I'm so grateful, but I really didn't trust her. And this program taught me how to trust. It taught me how to work with people. It taught me how to love. Imagine that. Imagine if someone told me, like, I couldn't imagine that someone told me your problem with food and body is that you don't love yourself and you don't know how to love other people. I would have been like, how many calories is that? Like, what is that? How much should I exercise? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And now this program is an entirely program about loving, about being present to love, about being present to my higher powers love and about being available to love others. And so then when, you know, I reread the prayer where there is sadness, I may bring joy. That is an act of love. And the, spon the act of sponsoring is an act of love. And it allowed me to be vulnerable. Working step four and five allowed me to, to look at my history in order for me to liberate myself from the disease of compulsive overeating, for my higher power to remove that from me, I can't walk around thinking that I'm a piece of crap. I can't walk around thinking that I, I am defined by what I did in the past because that's self-fulfilling. I'm always a jerk. I was a jerk. I'm always gonna be a jerk. I'm gonna be a jerk forever. How can I love you if I can't love myself? How, what, that God-sized hole will always be filled with food and self-hate if I don't learn how to love myself. And I just, I think this program is so incredible. What was joy for me before the program was, the, was food. I was so happy when I was eating. And I was really happy when I wasn't talking to anybody, when I was isolating. I felt safe and protected. That whole expression, is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? I would have said, no, it's better to have never loved at all. I was so afraid of being hurt. I was so afraid of being rejected. I love my mom more than anybody else. Like my mom could almost be a higher power, but I know people aren't perfect, but I love my mom so much that when she started getting older, I stopped talking to her because I don't, I wanted to actually not feel the pain of her death that in anticipation of her death, I actually stopped talking to her and someone uh, who I loved, someone who I had a relationship with was like, you're talking to your mom every day. And every day I talked to her, I can, I'm just like, it's, a, it's so tough for me to love somebody because she's getting older. It's so tough for me to love her because she's gonna die one day. It's gonna be really painful. But the flip side of that, and that's St. Francis is there's always a flip side, you know? And, and this program, it said before, you know, it is, there's three pillars. There's physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I work one, two, three to sober up. And I work four, five, six to grow up. And I, I work six and seven to show up, to look at myself. And I work eight and nine to clean up. 
like all of the messes so that I'm not walking around in DC and someone slaps me in the face because I did something to them. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I don't want to walk this earth with someone having this, you know, feeling that I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I, I want to make amends and be clean and free of that. And so all of the steps is really the way for me to, to be open to life and to have emotions. So where there is sadness, I may bring joy, but also there is sadness and I should have that experience too. And so St. Francis is, you know, bring that joy to people when they're in the dark times. And, and so my joy is no longer defined by food. Oh, I used to get so excited about my birthday because you were gonna give me this special food. Or, you know, like just, I, I was crazy around food. And, and what I learned is it's dopamine. You know, it's, it's an addiction. It's like a thrill. I was also, joy was also like the drama from uh, fighting with, with men and dating. Um, joy was making a lot of money. Um, it was really meaningless and shallow. Joy is now people. You know, joy is being present. Joy is having conflict with my friends and going through that conflict and being in a better place on the other side, saying to them, I didn't really like when you said that. And I have a relationship with my sister who, when we were growing up, it was rivalry. Uh, she was the pretty one and I was the smart one. And then um, we hated each other. And then we would fight and like pull each other's hair. And then it got to the point where she was pulling knives on me. Like we got to a really crazy level of like hatred and um, we're in each other's life now. Joy for me is she had this horrible pancreatitis because she's a compulsive overeater. She was in the hospital. And when she was out of the hospital, she couldn't do anything. And in my staycation, I couldn't go anywhere during the pandemic. I spent an hour every day with her virtually watching um, Bridgerton. You know, I watched, I sat watching Bridgerton with her every day for, for weeks. Uh, I was present for her, you know, like I could be there for her. And I used to hate her. And it actually had, I used to have joy when I was like, yeah, and I punched her in the face, like as a kid, you know, like it's totally different. Um, but, you know, joy is now like roller skating in the park. Joy is the time that I got my eyebrows microbladed and I felt like I was, it was so, it was so big, like in red and I was so scared. And I was like, my face is gonna be like this forever because it's a tattoo. My eyebrows are tattooed. And I remember being like, oh my God, I look like Bert and Ernie. And I went to an OA meeting and the joy was that I, I said, everybody, do I look crazy? And they're like, well, one, you always look crazy. And two, you're okay. It doesn't look terrible. It's gonna be okay. When shit hits the fan, I like, oh, I had that immediate reaction of, oh, but then other people do the St. Francis on me, which is like, where you see insanity, I see serenity where there is, you know, and so the joy for me is that like, I can bring that to the room. You all love me. I'm supported and my eyebrows go down. And like, <laughs> you know, everything passes, you know, it's just like everything passes. And in this program, like it can be crazy, but it'll pass and I don't have to pick up. And you help me to not pick up. You help me to love myself. You help me to fill the God-sized hole with love. And oh my God, all you need is love. And I just, I think it's, you know, what a, what a wonderful program that it allows me to have a lot of people in my life. And, and that is true joy to me. And I'm really looking forward to future OA birthday parties where we can all dance sober on the dance floor 
and be as crazy as we want to be and not worry about judgment and not worry what other, other people are thinking because those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. And to me, that's joy is, is having the right people in my life and having love of myself and love of others. Thanks for letting me share. That was awesome, Debbie. For someone who struggled with that quote, you just knocked it out the park. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I need to get my eyebrows done. <laughs> it's looking kind of bushy right now. <laughs> anyway, so it is time for intermission. Let's go out to the kitchen. Let's go out to the kitchen. Now, anyway, so it is intermission, and we will now observe the seventh tradition. The LA Intergroup suggests that you continue to contribute as we still have operating expenses, including rent for the OA office and the subscription costs of this Zoom service. Please go to donate.oaoaoaig.org for a direct link to our PayPal account. Any amount is accepted and appreciated. If you are joining us from outside of Los Angeles area, we encourage you to donate to the inner group that supports your local fellowship. So announcements. I know we have one announcement from Susan G. Susan, you want to go ahead and make that announcement? Sure, thank you. Hello, everyone. Susan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. First of all, O'Ray. Oh, my goodness. This is fantastic, my friend. So well done. Big round of applause, honestly. And loved the music in the beginning. I'm stealing the music for my workshop, which I hope that you all will come to. On Katie's going to screen share the details for us. How I found God, not screen share. Here we go. On, oh, where's my flyer? On Sunday, May 2nd, joint venture with the LA Intergroup and New Jersey Intergroup, a workshop where you will do work. Bring a pen, bring some paper, bring your big book. Six speakers will go off into breakout rooms twice. One time you'll just be chatting, another time you might be writing. So I hope that you can all join us. Um, it's from 10 until 1 p.m. Pacific time. Any further details, I will put my phone number by my name and feel free to reach out. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, Susan. So that's all the announcements that I know of. Is there anyone who wants to make a brief announcement about an upcoming event? Okay, so we will now resume the festivities with our last three speakers. And up next is Don P. And Don P's joy quote is, unlike the feeling of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. And that's from the big book, There's a Solution, page 17. Go ahead and take it away, Don. All right, thank you. Uh, first of all, I wanna thank O'Ray for uh, asking me to uh, speak here today. Uh, it's, a, it's a great event, O'Ray. It's a wonderful theme and uh, love concentrating on the positive. Um, the quote follows one of the sentence before it that says, we're like the passengers who've survived a shipwreck. And everywhere from steerage to the captain's table, there's a shared joy. And certainly that's, that's true in the sense of emergencies and disasters bring people together. Uh, it's, of course, what brought me here in the first place. I will uh, uh, briefly share my uh, fat pictures so that uh, you can see I am indeed a compulsive overeater. Uh, was for as far back in my life as I can remember. And uh, somewhere there was a, a deep uh, part of me 
that said that uh, you're never going to be anything different. You're doomed. Uh, there's no hope and there's no chance for you. Um, and I actually believe that at some deep level because my experience in my entire life up until I got here was exactly that. I didn't think it was possible. I thought I could get short periods of white knuckling, forcing something onto my personality that was so alien to my core that it would just tremble and build up tension like a spring inside me and then explode. And I would make up for lost time by overeating and gaining back more weight than I ever lost. And I repeated this pattern over and over each time thinking something would be different. Um, and it wasn't until I got here uh, and I literally remember going up to get a 60-day chip. I have uh, 23 years of abstinence, by the way. I, getting a 60-day chip, remembering, noticing that the spring wasn't winding up inside me and thinking there is something really profoundly different about the experience I'm having here than I had anywhere else. Um, my initial instinct in coming in was all about me. It was, uh, all right, how much of this can I get? How little can I give in return for it? How fast can I get it? How soon can I be out of here? It was a very quick, I want it and I wanted you to give it to me and, I, and then I want to move on to something else because I got things to do. Uh, obviously, if I'm here 23 years later, I don't feel that way anymore. And indeed, that to me is sort of the essence that comes out of the quote. It talks about you know, this joy doesn't subside when we go our separate ways. Well, first off, I'm choosing not to go a separate way. I'm continuing to come back, even though my head, if anything, tells me, hey, you got a lot of years, you can take it easy. I mean, come on, relax some kid, you got it. I mean, my head wants to drive me directly out of the room, but that's nothing new. It's a ongoing uh, process. The difference is I don't have to act on those impulses anymore. Uh, the difference is I have a choice that I never had before. Um, but the, but the, the joy that comes from doing this was something beyond anything I anticipated. I came in, if you asked me why I came in on day one, it would be like, is this a trick question? I mean, I'm here because I want to lose weight. Why the hell else would I be here? Uh, if you ask me today, why am I here? I'll tell you it's because I don't want to eat compulsively. Big difference. I could lose weight and, and, and still be compulsive, white knuckle shaking, uh, or I can have a serenity around the food that I only get coming to the program and coming and doing it some other way. I, I, so, someone earlier talked about, Michael talked about relationships. Uh, I was stunned to learn when I got abstinent that there were other people at holiday parties. Uh, I, I was so deep in the food that I didn't even notice. I can go and stand by the table and start eating and I don't see anybody and I, you better not be between me and the food. Um, it's like the line in Animal House when uh, John Belushi is going down to the buffet and he said, just keep your arms and legs away from him while he's eating. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it, it was a concentration that took me away from everything else. And when I worked the steps, the difference between the way I came in where it was all about me is that the essence of the steps to me is to turn outward. The essence of the steps is to focus on what can I do for someone else. When I'm focused on me, I get lost in it and things get dark and uh, all of the old impulses come back and I have no defense against them. When I'm thinking about others, my life gets a joy to it. I get a brightness. What can I actually do to make a difference to someone? What can I genuinely do to be helpful? I never thought like that in my life. My entire life was all based around just give me. Um, and, and so, you know, to, <clears throat> the idea is that 
I've heard people say, and I found it insulting when I first heard it, was, uh, you know, I came for the vanity and I stayed for the sanity. I didn't like it because one, it said I was vain, and two, it said I was insane. It turns out both of those were true, um, but I didn't particularly want to admit it in the beginning. Uh, it, it, I came in because I wanted to lose weight, um, but then I stayed because I get a peace and a serenity, not just around the food, but in every aspect of my life. I mean, things that used to set me off, things that used to send me into a rage or send me into a deep uh, nosedive depression funk, uh, worrying about something that hadn't yet happened. Uh, I have tools to deal with today that I never had before in my life. Uh, the, I, I can get a genuine release from the obsession. And the obsession is essentially what the program deals with. It's in the doctor's opinion. There's two aspects. One is a physical allergy, allergy not meaning rashes, but meaning that when I start eating compulsively, my body reacts different from other people and I can't stop. Once I'm in the cycle, I'm doomed. I am in this deep, deep, deep drilling that's just gonna go as far as it can. Uh, that I can't do much about because it's, you know, it's physiological. Uh, the, the thing I can do something about is I have an obsession that keeps telling me I should start doing that again because even though I know intellectually, I always knew intellectually that this was not good for me, uh, I kept doing it because my head just kept talking to me about it. Uh, there was a time I took diet pills in my life, uh, which were basically speed in those days. And I was flying around the room, but I had no appetite. I was losing weight. But even in that, with no appetite, I kept thinking about food. It was like, well, maybe I'll have a little of this for dinner. Maybe I'll have a little of that. I had a friend who had an intestinal bypass, and I, I met with him maybe a month after, and he sort of sighed, and he said, you know, now eating for me is a spectator sport. And I thought, wow, talk about the disconnect between the physical and the mental. Here he was, he couldn't eat because he'd been had his stomach fixed and could, literally couldn't take the food. And he was so sad and so depressed about what he was missing. And to me, the program is about focusing on the joy of what I get, uh, the joy of what I have uh, in terms of what I find from the program. And it, it permeates every aspect. I do my work better when I think about other people. I, I, I deal with my family better when I think about other people and put their needs first. Um, I, I think that there's not any aspect of my life that it doesn't help. When I have a problem or when I have something bothering me, uh, I have tools to deal with it. I can understand that I'm no longer in charge, that I can turn it over to God, and that God has a plan for me even if I don't see it. Uh, virtually every time in my life that I have had something happen uh, that, that I thought was a, a terrible disaster, uh, I would find out later, maybe years later, why if that hadn't happened, something great wouldn't have come my way. And I have to live in the knowledge that that's the greater plan. Uh, and if I think of it that way, uh, two minutes. Uh, and when I, th I think of it that way, um, I, uh, you know, I can get a serenity around it because uh, someone once gave me an analogy of if you saw a, a body lying on a table and someone sticking a knife into it, you'd assume that it was a murder. But if you pull the camera back, you see it's an operating table and they're trying to save someone's life and that we see the narrow picture, God sees the big picture. So uh, when, I'm, when, I, when I'm going through something that's making me unhappy, usually, by the way, it's because I'm either worrying about the future or fretting about the past, 
Um, and I heard another great quote, which is, uh, serenity means giving up all hope for a different past. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> um, but when I'm usually worrying about one of those two things, right? because right in the moment, very rarely is something going on that I need to worry about. Uh, when I can take a bigger picture view, when I can relax, when I can do the deal with the program, when I can do a few simple daily things, when I can call my sponsor and be responsible, when I can talk to sponsees and turn outward and, and, and think about them and try and help them see you know, the path and share my experience, strength and hope, then I get a joy and a serenity I get no other way. And it doesn't dissipate when we go our separate ways. So thank you for letting me share. Wow, that was awesome, Don. And I know people are going to be messaging me. And the quote was, serenity is, can you say that quote again one more time for us? Yeah, sure. Serenity is giving up all hope for a different past. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you, man. Ooh. And our next speaker is Clara G. And Clara's joy quote is, the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. Big Book Bill Story, page 15. Go ahead and take it away, Claire. Claire, you're muted. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ori, thank you so much for inviting me and putting this together. I think it's a very original idea. I've never seen it done before. And I love the topic. And um, something very important that I have realized in this program, that joy is not about what happens in my life, but it happens, it, it's more about how I react to what happens in my life and how I react depending on whether I'm going to be doing my defects of characters or my assets. So it depends on my character, whether I'm going to be joyful or not. And I believe that my higher power, the way I understand my higher power, he wants me to get the promises of the, of the book. That is that I will be joyful, happy, joy, what is it? Happy, joyous, and free. And so if I work the steps, I'll be joyful. And so um, actually, you know, if I, if I believe that my higher power wants me to not be joyful, I wouldn't even need a higher power because I know that role pretty well. You know, I know how to, how to be miserable, but I do need a higher power to, to teach me or to get me to the, to the joy part. And also I believe that my true nature is joy. But when I come with my defects of characters, then I throw joy out of the window. For example, I could be perfectly happy. And then I think that my, my friend is paying more attention to the other friend than me. And I <laughs> turn jealous. And so then that's a defect of character. And now I'm suffering. I'm in jealousy. I'm in a defect of character. My, my joy went out of the window. Thank God though, that in this program, I can, even if I first react badly with a defect of character, I can use the steps and put that problem through the steps and then go back to my fixing my, my character and getting rid of my defect of character and having my joy back. Um, like, a clear, I, I don't know, a clear example. Um, if, I, if I'm afraid 
I'm not happy. Or if I'm angry, I'm not happy. Can you imagine me being super angry and happy at the same time? It's like it, it doesn't go together. It's either I am in a, in a defect of character or I am joyful. And so if I want to be joyful, I need to get rid of my defect of characters. And for that, I use the steps. And so then um, I have been, you know, like angry and laughing, but it would be like a sarcastic hostility, really, you know, making fun of somebody. And it's not really joyful. I used to think that joy was like euphoria and excitement and I had to do be doing like the big events and the big parties and the big trips and things like that, you know? And then I realized, I learned in this program that that actually was like an anxiety thing. And the books, the big book says, watch for excitement. And when I first read that, I'm like, what? Excitement is bad? And then I started to learn that, yeah, excitement is like an anxiety thing. Joy is calmness. Joy is being content, is being at peace, is having good qualities in my character. And so that has been like a, another way of looking at the world that I had no idea. And so, um, for example, two, let me give you an example, like so two, two examples on how uh, one time I was joyful and then my husband got sick he went through surgery and then after the surgery he got a huge infection and the doctor said mm, I think I have overlooked something and of course I immediately think oh no it's cancer and my husband is going to die and so I go into panic right super afraid and and then um, I can take that fear of super fear put it through the steps and then that realigns me into remembering that God, God will take care of me. And page 69 of the big book, it says, if I am honestly trying to do God's will, he will provide for everything that I need. So really what I really need to do always is try to figure out what is God's will for me and try to be as honest as I can with that in trying to obey and follow and align and be there. Because if I am there, I'll be fine. And no matter what happens, what happens. Um, also like um, I had a very good friend in the program. She was my sponsee. And then uh, one day she was perfectly fine. The next week she got COVID and then she, she died. Like all of a sudden. Well, and then um, of course that Grief is painful, it's not joyful, but the thing is that in this program, I can, I can um, get to feel the grief on its own. And the grief on its own is not so bad and it's not gonna kill me, especially if I remember to tell my higher power to be with me when I'm, I'm feeling that pain. Um, but what helps me in this program is to uh, clear that grief with other things that I may have a tendency to pile on top of that. And then I don't get to really feel the pain because I am dealing with the other things. For example, anger, blaming others. Oh, who was at fault? It was her husband. It was me. I should have said this. And maybe if I had said this, she wouldn't have done that. And then she wouldn't have got the 
the COVID and then she wouldn't have that, you know, and it's like thinking like as if I'm, I am God, right? But I can um, take all that extra stuff and through clean it up with 10 steps and just get to feel the grief. And, and you know, like, yeah, there are periods of pain and that's okay. Um, um, there are good things, even during grief, that um, are character um, assets that I can do to feel joy. For example, I can be grateful. And it was beautiful um, that we as a group, we got together and we started telling stories about her and remembering and funny things. And it, it felt really beautiful that, um, and using the, the program to deal with the experience, you know, and some people were honest and said they still had a resentment and things like that, but it was just very beautiful experience. Then also thank to the technology that now exists that everybody has, we were able to be at her funeral in Zoom, you know, and so then that helped us like give a closure to the to the loss and and being grateful that the you know we had her in our life and that we got to enjoy and she was she was awesome. She was a very joyful person. And so um that um another another joyful thing that comes um directly to me through this program is when I see somebody come to that thank you. Okay when I see somebody come in the program and use I can see all that all that suffering in them and then when they start working in the program and going into abstinence and through the steps and then that person starts blooming like a little flower and it's 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 very joyful. It's very enjoyable to see that. Also, when somebody, the same thing, you know, come with a, a, a big suffering and says, can I do a 10 step with you? And then we do this 10 step. And it's like that transformation that takes takes um, place when we do that 10 step, because to me, the 10 step is like a magic. It's like a miracle. It's not an analysis. It's not therapy. It's a spiritual tool and so we do it this guy is i can see god working you know and it's beautiful it feels very joyful and and it makes me feel useful too i used to feel that i i was good for nothing and so that um when i see when i feel useful too helping somebody do a 10 step it makes me double joy and 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 the the idea of being grateful too is a, a great character asset to be joyful because we can always look at the at the good things even in the horrible situations. For example, the pandemic, right? The pandemic has been horrible, but yet there has been great things. For example, I wouldn't be in this meeting from my house in Wisconsin with you guys in LA right now, but because of everybody now is in the internet. And everybody from every part of the world has a little phone that they can connect everywhere. It's awesome. And I am very grateful that the higher power sent first the technology into the world and then the pandemic and not the other way around because it would have been really bad the other way around. So um, in summary for what, what I wanna say is that, that uh, my joy depends on my character. 
And so it, I, can, I can choose to stay with my defects of character suffering, or I can choose to put them through the steps and, and switch them with the help of my higher power into assets and, and be joyful. And so and to me, that is the joy that I really have, um, even when I'm, I'm under pressure and difficulty in this program. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claire, for sharing that and how you're finding joy even in loss. That was a, that was a beautiful share, beautiful share. And our final speaker, bringing it home for us, is Phil D. And Phil, his joy quote is, if newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. The big book, The Family Afterward, page 132. Phil, you're on deck, brother. Go ahead. Right on. Yo, thank you so much, Ori, for hooking me up with this and hooking me up with such a dope quote. Now, now check this out. Now, it's great because I can go to the little spot before. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry about that, Phil, compulsive overeater. Uh, I represent from New York City, uh, a little group called There is a Solution, Friday at 6 o'clock represent. Um, so check this out. Here's the real, the full quote it is. But we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers would see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist, hold on, we absolutely insist on enjoying life. Seriously, give me a break. Take it from me, before this pandemic hit, I was going all around the world. I've been around the world and I, I, I was able to stay abstinent. Check this out. I went to Japan, went to all different spots over there, went to meetings. When I plan, make a plan to go someplace, I hit meetings. Or like when I hit California last time, hit the California, got meetings, got the big convention out there, the birthday party, represent, see my people out there. Wherever I go, do the thing. So let me see. Um, a thing about this so that people can see me, especially sponsees and newcomers, fellowshipping afterwards, hanging out. You can see me eat. Like when I went to meetings, I went to meetings in Paris, walking all over the place and walking 13 miles in a day. Seriously. Went to meetings out there. I see you dude from Paris representing over there. Yo, went out there, went to meetings over there. And then people wanted to hang out afterwards and fellowship. Even if you didn't know, like I didn't know French like that and they didn't know English like that, but we still get to share that language of the heart. That's how I rolled in, in Canada over there. You know, whatever, whatever state I'm at, you know, this is the thing. Oh, in the UK, I see people from the UK over here too. So I remember going over there, being able to stay abstinent, do this thing. It's a thing. Now, let me explain something. Seeing fun in our existence. Can I have fun? Can I? Can I? Can I please have fun? All right. Think of it like this. Here's how I use it in my relationships. Now, not, not just boyfriend, girlfriend relationships, situations like this. Now, I'm talking like sponsor, sponsee relationships. I do step studies, um, holding down uh, service at meetings. You know how we do relationships with friends, being able to show up with friends and talk to friends, people that I used to roll with before I got into program. Oh, yeah. Sorry, let me show a picture. Let me show a picture of the pain here for a second here. Allow me. Please allow me to introduce myself. I look like this. This is meh. That guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. Top weight, 313 pounds. When I came into the program, I was 296 pounds. You know, I wanted to lose a little weight before I came in because uh, I felt like I was just too fat, <laughs> you know? So I had to lose weight first before coming in. 
my crazy thinking right now I'm rolling around like maybe 189 or something like that. I'm working it out with my nutritionist, working out with my sponsors, following my food plan, having three meals a day and stuff like that. And when I have three meals a day, they better be the best darn tasting meals. Now to be able to go to someplace like Paris, which is known for the food and be able to stay abstinent, I can do that. I can do that. And now note, I'm plant-based too. And to be in places like, yo, just the other day, I was at an extravagant a far off land called Staten Island doing like kind of like doing an immense with my ex-wife and her family, you know, cause I didn't get to show up for them when I was married to her, but then to be able to go there and represent and show up, yo, I was able to do that. And then to go there and it was a restaurant. They, it was such a big luxurious steakhouse and that's not my food. And I was able to ask for what I needed and like, yo, do you got anything without no sugar, no meat, no alcohol in that thing. Can you hook me up with something? And for me, I learned menus are just a suggestion. Seriously, a suggestion. So I was, and they were able to bring me something to my liking and it was off the hook and everybody was looking at my thing being like, hmm, what you getting? Ooh, not a little good. Oh, you enjoy your steak. All right, you know, not to, not to hate on people, whatever you have and you have, but the main point is, I needed what's abstinent for me, and that was abstinent for me. Um, another thing about relationships, even in boyfriendly, girlfriend relationships, to be in a situation now with sanity, to be able to look at my sex inventory and to be able to, you know when you make that list of all the character uh, situations of things that you're looking for in a relationship, also the things that you're looking for, but also the things that you want in yourself. I want. Uh, someone that's kind. So I have to be kind. I want someone that is monogamous. I, I have to be monogamous. All these different things that I want for the other person, I have to be that person. Radiate those things and that will bring the love to you. Yeah. Right on, Deb. I see your little heart there representing. Like All right. So the main thing is that so to be able to do those things, and I'm you know, doing the dating thing even now in COVID and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a wild ride. And to be able to do that and to be able to see in a relationship, when things aren't working and to be able to go in in a mature way, talk it over with my sponsor, talk it over with my therapist, talk it over with my people and my closed mouth friends, and then be able to bring it to the person and say, listen, I like you a lot, you're a real nice person, but this isn't working for me. And, you know, I just wanna wish you the best and I have to, you know, we have to cut this off and just not do that, but we can still be friends and we still friends to this day. That is some real stuff. That is a gift of the program to be able to do such a thing like that that's awesomeness. Um, other cool stuff is in relationships with friends, family, being where I say I'm going to be. When people say I'm going to show up only that, that one time already. Oh, you're never going to let me forget that. That one time that I wasn't able to show up because of that time zone thing. I, I, I'm so not good with time zones. But still, this, this world of Zoom, I'm getting used to it. I'm learning. I really want to show up. And believe me, I had it on my calendar a million different ways to be here at this time to be here and show up. We suit up, we show up, you know, how we do. Um, the main thing is, let me, uh, how, how am I doing on time, time person? A minute 30 until your two minute warning. All right, okay, so then let me, let me, let me, let me explain to you how my life is right now. Um, I have this lovely relationship with my higher power, pray, meditate, do that thing, um, examine my day in the morning, like, you know, do the whole thing. I prayed, I meditated, brush my teeth, do that whole thing. And then I sat down 
And when I was uh, asking God to remove my defects of character, some six and seven action, please, because I got all sorts of issues. Time, time, especially with time. Uh, so and then I was able to go to a farmer's market and not be all up on that baker's line, whatever that stuff is over there, but to be able to go there and get the vegetables and things that I need at the farmer's market, have my list, do not deviate, do not um, impulse buy, none of that. I got what I need to get and then I was out of there. And then best one ever, right? I am literally walking home and a squirrel, a squirrel stops in front of me, walks up to me, dude must've knew he had my number. And he, he was just looking at me like, dude. And so in my pocket, I had a bag of peanuts, which I used to dog peanuts all the time, but these peanuts are not for me. These peanuts are for squirrels in the neighborhood. Uh, because I was like, you know, throwing things to the pigeons, like, you know, throwing stuff to the pigeons and the pit and the pigeons were jumping on it. And then all the squirrels are like, yo, what about me for real? So this squirrel must've recognized me. Is that a thing? I guess it's a thing. And I, right, so I got it. I threw, I threw it down. The squirrel took it. And that's that real thing to do it. I mean, in real life, those peanuts would have been gone, but I was able to give a peanut to a squirrel. It's craziness. And then lastly, um, I got home. Uh, met with a friend in program. We did a yoga class. And uh, also, uh, I used to uh, work at this other uh, group. And I wanted to make sure that their speaker was going to show up for their thing. Checked on that. So to be able to do all these different things. And the, it's not even the beginning of the morning. Oh, and I had to switch my, my, my cable router to make sure that I was able to come on here and have fast internet to represent for you guys and fix it and do this. Normally I'd be like, oh, this is just too much for me. I just can't do it. It's just too much. But no, it is not too much. You know, we all have 24 hours in a day. My, my sponsor himself said, I said, I don't have enough time. I need to stay up all, all the, you know, he said, everybody gets 24 hours. You know how much time like Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci had in a day? It was like 24 hours. And he's like, well, how much did Mozart get in a day? 24 hours. You know how much you get in a day? 24 hours. So budget it wisely. I'm like, okay, okay. So I was able to budget this, make sure everything's represented, make sure I can do all these things, have a nice abstinent lunch, be refreshed, shave, make sure I look good, and then uh, represent and be here on time to my peeps early, right? You know how we do, show up, suit up, show up, and do the thing. And this is what sponsees notice. This is what newcomers notice, to be able to do this thing and represent and have that joie de vivre for the people in France and all of the, have the joy of life. And that's what I want to have. Sorry, my, my accent's horrible. But, but the main point is to represent and have fun. I didn't come in here to be miserable for real. I did not come here to be miserable. I came in here, well, actually, when I first came in here, I thought I was going to cut, I was going to lose weight, get a girlfriend, and be out. That was my normal plan. It didn't kind of work out that way. What I ended up is getting a relationship with a power greater than myself. I ended up being in a position where good things have good close ties to friends to be able to work with people, take people through the steps and see their lives change just like my life change. That is some crazy stuff for real. And I tell you, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And what's the price of this? You know what they say? You know, give as much as, you know what? For real. OA seriously gave me a life for real. I would be dead. My mom died at 50 of this disease for real. And on her deathbed, she was like, change your life. And I didn't understand how. 
So to be here and represent in this way, uh, uh-uh. all right, that's about that time for me. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm getting the hook, I see. All right, so, but it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do service. Yeah, my number's over there. Take my number down. Don't be a stranger. Text me, call me. You know how we do. Take care, y'all. Peace. Bill, you're one of my favorite personalities in program, bro, and I love how you carry the light, man. I really do. I'm glad to call you one of my brothers. Right on, right on. And uh, so let's thank all of our speakers for their amazing shares and their willingness to be of service today and express their joy. Let's give them the silly fingers or jazz hands, whatever you want to call it. The A, A, hit them with that, you know, whatever you need to do to thank them. And uh, hey, Lindsay, I know you're out there. Would you like to read Having Fun Yet from the big, uh, from the book Daily Reflections? We're going to go ahead and share that. Would you read that for us? Lindsay? Okay, who else? Somebody would like to volunteer? I think people have it. This is Leo. I can read it. Hello? Hi, this is Leo. I can read it. Okay, go ahead, Leo. Okay. Lindsay's there. Oh, right, Lindsay. I'm I'm here now. I unmuted. Okay, go ahead, Lindsay. All right. Having fun yet. When my own house is in order, I find the different parts of my life are more manageable. Stripped from the guilt and remorse that cloaked my drinking years, I am free to assume my proper role in the universe, but this condition requires maintenance. I should stop and ask myself, am I having fun yet? If I find answering that question difficult or painful, perhaps I'm taking myself too seriously and finding it difficult to admit that I've strayed from my practice of working the program to keep my house in order. I think the pain I experience is one way my higher power has to get my attention, coaxing me to take stock of my performance. The slight time and effort it takes to work the program, a spot check inventory, for example, or the making of amends, whatever is appropriate, are well worth the effort. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. 